American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. Welcome to another episode of American, American Timelines. Time I'm Amy. And I am Oprah. Are you Oprah, huh? Oprah Schwinghammer. All right. It's a family name. Okay. I'm and German. This is the podcast that brings you all the crazy, nostalgic, interesting events from the past. And we do it year by year. Yeah. Year by year. Actually, we do it month by month. Because there's do it. several it's episodes true. a year now. We do it like day. Actually, we do it day by day. <laughs> almost. Yeah, it's we, almost that tedious. Yeah. We. As as a, a friend quoted me, uh, as the head of the Queen City Podcast Network said, hey, we dive into the minutia. Yeah, that's right. You guys really dive into the minutia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was meant as a compliment or not. Yeah, I don't know if it was. <laughs> Boy, you guys really talk about everything. <laughs> Every talk about second. all the crappy, Yikes. boring moments. All the stuff. And tonight we are talking about 1962. Yes, we have now moved on to another year. We're little by little wading through the molasses, the minutia molasses with our with our sporks. We have sporks in hand and we're throwing the molasses over our shoulders and we're we're wearing uh, speedos with our You don't have to act it out. out. This is a pubes are oh, hanging this out is an audio medium. You don't have yeah. to act it out. Well, it helps over there. me uh, get in the mindset. I see. Okay. You know, like I'm wearing a speedo. My pubes are overflowing. I got two sporks. I'm wading through molasses, and I've gotten this 1962. I don't know what's happening. And my name is Oprah Schwinghammer. All right, that's Joe. He's obviously insane. Oprah, Oprah should be mind. president. I figured out. That's what Bill Maher said. Yeah, no, you know what? In when I was listening to that, and yeah. when, but right before he said it, I said it out loud in Did the you? air. I, he said, "No, there's only one person that could run." I was like, "Oprah, it's got to be Oprah." Yeah, it's the only way. It's the only person that could win. They're the only one that can beat Trump. Yeah, yeah. Because we've we've established now from now on, it's got to be a reality. It, it has star. to be a celebrity. Yeah, there will no longer be politicians. They're yeah. all done. It's yeah. just from now on. It's gonna be. It's it's like uh, Queen Elizabeth. Like we America needs their own figurehead. Yeah, I, I don't know what like it your is. Your own person who doesn't really do anything. So it's Oprah's next, and then after that, uh, John Davidson from uh, the host of Hollywood Squares. Is that guy still alive? I don't think so. Um, it would have to be somebody younger than Oprah. Oh, younger than Oprah. Well, I guess. I guess uh, Keenan Thompson would be good. He'd be a good president. You know okay. Who that is. Mm. The guy from Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy's great. I love that guy. Yeah, he's funny. So there you go. And that's all it is anymore. Just mm-hmm. famous. Pretty much. As long as they're famous and I've heard of them. As long as I, I feel comfortable, I, they've been in my living room all my life. Yeah. So Ellen. Oh, Ellen would be a good one. Ellen's generous. Yeah. From now on, it's just name recognition. That's right. Okay, this that's neither here nor there. Let's jump into 1962 before our listeners get pissed off and okay. turn it off. That sounds good to me. All right. So as we do every time we start a new year, I like to talk about some things that we don't have a date for but are in this year. Mm-hmm. 1962 is the year of the LED light. 
Oh. Who's implanted by Nick Holoniak. I didn't realize they were at GE. back that far. Yeah. Can you believe that? You know what LED stands for? No. You're going to feel real stupid when I tell you. Light emitting diode. No, that doesn't make me feel stupid. You don't feel stupid? Nope. Yeah, so it was invented then, but you know, it wasn't widely used, I guess, until... So what's the difference between an LED light and those fluorescent lights that are in like offices and stuff? Also, in 1962, <laughs> uh, the mashed potato... <laughs> yep, uh, that's what I thought. ...was a dance move uh, yes. that became popular in 1962. Do you know how to do the mashed potato? Mm, I could... No, I don't. I mean, I, I I know there's different ones, but... Well, the dance move and the song was originally made famous by James Brown in 1959, but it really took off in 62. Okay. Uh, they danced to that song, to that... They did the mashed potato to D.D. D. Sharp's mashed potato time. Uh, the move slightly resembles a little bit of the twist. Um, anyway, but if you... <laughs> if you... Uh, it became super popular in 62 because um, Motown's first mega hit song, Do You Love Me? Mm-hmm. I can mash potatoes. Right. Do you love me? I yeah. can do it like this. Uh, but if you go on YouTube just to like, <laughs> if you just search the mashed potato dance to try to see. What it is. I've always wondered what it was. Yeah. I've never looked right. it up. Um, it's you see a lot. There's a lot of idiots uh, out there who have made instructional videos on how, how to mash potato. How to dance. But I think my favorite one is there's one actually from the '60s. Oh, there and is. And it's a bunch of white, like just the nerdiest white people in the world, oh, all man. doing the mashed potato, and it's just, it just like there's like it's just not cool. No. At all. Yeah. Takes it all out of there. Yep. All the coolness goes away. So that's my way of saying I have no idea what the difference between those lights are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, 1962 was the year the computer mouse was invented at the Stanford Research Institute. Oh, that was a nifty invention. Yep. Uh, the Oh, a Greek-Canadian named Sam Panopoulos. Panopoulos? Mm-hmm. He's credited for creating the first Hawaiian pizza. Oh, that's a something. First time pineapple has been put on pizza at the satellite restaurant in Chatham, Ontario, Canada. I enjoy pineapple on pizza. I love pineapple on pizza. Yeah, and I will defend it to the end. I will fight. I will get violent. Yeah, it's so good because there's this whole thing now where people think it's cool to say pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Like it's a whole trend that people are bucking that. So screw that. Yeah, and they're trying to get all like, oh, you're an idiot. You're trying to. Trying to pe- make people feel bad for using pineapple on pizza when they're wrong. They probably 90% of those people haven't even tried it. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, it's the it's changed my life. <laughs> I didn't want to even do it. You made me try it. I know. I didn't it's want so good. to. And I, I will not eat pizza without it. In fact, every day I open a can of pineapples and put it in a bag and put it in my pocket just in case I decide to have pizza and uh, the place I want pizza doesn't have pineapple. That's that's convenient. Day. Yeah, it is. It's know. helpful. Yeah. And besides, pineapple pocket. Why would you not have pineapple in your pocket? Why not? Um, I don't know if you know uh, the big three mm-hmm. in U.S. discount retailing stores. You know what the big three are? Um, are these like Walmart type places? Yeah, they all began in 1962. Walmart's one of them. Walmart. Uh, Kmart. Oh my God! Yeah, 
And the third one. They all started in 1962. Target? Target, yeah. Wow. Oh my God, you are a, a retail store I know my shopping. Women be shopping. That's right. Women be shopping. Yeah, they all started in uh, 1962. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Philips Company of the Netherlands invented and released the first audio cassette. Oh, my God. In 1962. And the 80s were never the same. Well, I don't know if you know this, though, too. Uh, from 1922 into the 50s, mm-hmm. uh, Thermos mm-hmm. was, was a brand. You know, Thermos, oh, Thermos isn't a thing. Right. It's a brand. It's a brand. And and they wanted to ensure that they kept the name. Like the name, like people were using the name Thermos for what a Thermos is. Like yeah. I think of a Thermos. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to drink out of that Thermos. Uh they were trying to protect the brand name, and they said, "Well, this—it's a brand; it's not a thing." Yeah. So they put out tents and lanterns and camp stoves bearing the name Thermos to just to say, "Hey, no, it's not." Yeah, it's not you just. Know, you a can't use thermos. it for everything. Everyone else can't have that name, and so that will patent it, and then we'll be the only one making a thermos. You know, mm-hmm. and they have to call that something else, and nobody will know what it is. Um, they'll all call. Yeah, it a, what's the what is it called? It is a uh, sealed. Uh, what is that? A, a sealed cask. Sealed cask. Yeah. No, it's a thermos. Yeah, but that's what they call it. They call it a. Uh, what is it? An air sealed cask. That's what, oh my God. That's what like they had. That? So they were trying to make everybody who doesn't use the term thermos. Yeah. Uh, use that term. Air sealed like cask. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't uh, think canteen, air sealed canteen, uh, something like that. Anyway. Uh, in 1962, Judge Robert Anderson ruled that thermos was a generic term due largely to thermos's own publici- publicization, publics- publics- thermos's own publicizing and lack of <laughs> diligence in defending the trademark. Yeah. That way other companies can use the term thermos or what they make as their... Wow, I'm surprised, they, I'm surprised they ruled that. Yeah. Yeah, Boom. they said, sorry, you're, that's now a thing. Yeah, isn't that a surprise? Yep. Um, it's like Band-Aid and Kleenex. Band-Aid and Kleenex and Thermos now. Uh, before 1962, you could not get goldfish crackers at your local store. Do you remember that? Pepperidge Farm remembers. I um, was never a goldfish. Those were too rich for my blood when I was little. Goldfish crackers? We got the knockoff, like the whalers or whatever they're called. There's yeah. like little whales. But we would never be able to get the genuine yeah, Pepperidge goldfish. Farms was always. Uh, I remember kids. they had a Pepperidge my, Farms in the in the mall, and you just couldn't. Nobody ever went in there. It was just like my grandma used to stuff. have a Pepperidge Farms stuff sometimes. Yeah, cookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my grandma would buy Pepperidge Farm cookies for my great grandparents, <laughs> who she took care for of for Christmas or like something. They, no, just all the time at the grocery oh. store. She, oh, we have to get. The grandparents' cookies. We got to get their cookies, and I was like, "Why do they get cookies? They're old. Yeah. They don't. I want those cookies. No, they get the expensive cookies. Yeah. And everyone understood. Like, why do they get them? Like, well, because they they don't eat healthy anymore. They're they're <laughs> trying to die. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> they're waiting to die, so they just eat cookies for every meal. You man. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Top ten shows in 1962 were Gunsmoke, mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke show. The Danny Thomas Show, The Andy Griffith Show, The Lucy Show, The Red Skeleton Show, Candid Camera, 
Bonanza, Ben Casey, and the Beverly Hillbillies. So eight. They were number one. That was number Beverly one. Hillbillies. Yeah, it debuted 1962 and it was number one. Kind of tells you where the the country was. The U.S. Navy SEALs were formed in 1962. Oh, not till then, huh? Yeah. You know what Navy SEAL stands for? Hmm. No. Sea, air, land. Oh. Do you know what uh, pro wrestler was a Navy SEAL? Um. Jesse Ventura. Yeah, Jesse was the it? Body Ventura. You know you're wrestling, honey. No. I'm proud of you, and I love you more than I did before you said that. Um. 1962 is the year that uh, the drug thalidomide uh, was yeah. reported to have crippled thousands of babies. All those birth defects. Yeah, the Richard Merrill Drug Company withdrew its U.S. application, and the drug was pulled worldwide after babies were born with flippers yeah, they and were, other deformities. They were so jacked up. Yeah, it was, it was prescribed to pregnant women to leave morning sickness. Yep. You That's right. You that already? Mm-hmm. Did you... Be honest, you've had two children. When you were pregnant, when you had morning sickness, were you like, just give me some fucking thalidomide? I don't... <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. No, I've seen pictures of oh, you th- already thalidomide knew. babies, yeah. Sears. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had a key. There's no way you knew this. Sears. Yeah. You know, it was a Chicago-based retailer. Okay. In 1962, it hired film star Vincent Price to pick art pieces and serve as a spokesman for selling its Vincent Price collection of fine art. What? Yeah. yeah. He had a collection of yeah. fine art? Yeah, that he sold through Sears. Oh, my Sears God. Vincent Price collection. Did you look any of it up? No. I, no. I've got to check it out. I probably should. Totally need to. The rest of the stuff I have have actual dates, although I have a couple commercials that were in 1962. But I don't know when. Okay. Do we want to play him or not? Sure. Okay. Who walks the stair without a care? It shoots so high in the sky. Bumps up and down just like a clown. Everyone knows it's slinky. The best present yet to give or get. The kids will all want to try. The hit of the day when you're ready to play. Everyone knows it's slinky. It's slinky. It's slinky. For fun is the best of the toys. It's slinky. It's slinky. And look at these. Here are some more wonderful slinky toys. Here is a slinky hippo. What? <laughs> That's and creepy. Here is a slinky elephant. And here is a slinky caterpillar. A French caterpillar. That girl just kissed her goddamn slinky toy. Slinky toy, a slinky toy, my favorite toy, you'll say. One dollar and two dollars. So that I didn't know the slinky toys. I just knew slinkies. You know, I didn't know that they came out with a heads on them. And no, stuff. I didn't either. But every time I see anything from the '60s and mm-hmm. toy, like toys, particularly in the '60s, creep me out. Like they're all haunted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all just like. Mm. I don't know, dirty and beat up. I guess they are. I mean, they look, rusty. And, yeah, and like rusty. rusty. Yeah, like my mom had a box of toys that my grandpa had when he was a kid, like yeah. the 30s. And then even her toys, yeah. my grandparents had at first, were gross to me. But yeah. I know they were old. But when you look at the commercials, they still look the same. Still like they were the and same. Old. They're crappy yeah. and shitty. Like, yeah, totally. And then just seeing the people, the song and the just like living in the 60s must have been 
terrifying. <laughs> 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 it's just like, I don't know what it is. Just see. It's a cigarette commercial. I know. Are they just running through a field, smoking cigarettes? You unlock a whole new world of fresh smoking pleasure. Do away with dried out taste for good. The secret flavor seal. L&M's special way of moisturizing tobacco, the seal in natural tobacco freshness and flavor. L&M burns slower, smokes cooler. And L&M's modern miracle tip means you get the cleanest, freshest taste possible. Cleanest taste. <laughs> cleanest, freshest taste in a like cigarette. This guy and a girl smoking cigarettes because you know they smell like ass. ass. <laughs> yep. That's hilarious. And they think it's fresh tasting. Like, when I look back on those commercials, too, I'm like, you idiots, you're getting lung cancer. Like, what are you doing? You smell terrible. It's not good for you. I know. How do they, how is it not common knowledge? Like, you know? How was, how did it begin? Well, I think they thought it was healthy. They did? Yeah, well, it started money. It's always money. Yeah, but I mean... Tobacco was a profitable plant. It was a right, plant. Right, but it was profitable because people like to smoke it. But who started the smoking of it? No, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. The Indians? No. They did it no, in I'm Europe. Sure. They, they probably, smoked in Europe before they got here, I'm sure. They did? They brought over the tobacco plant. I guess the, the I tobacco know. plant... Did the Indians the introduce only... to, tobacco? They might have. No. Not to England and everything. You think it spread back? Well, they had pipes and stuff. Old King Cole had a pipe, so <laughs> <laughs> that's how you. That's Old how King I know. Cole is how you know. <laughs> uh, well, I love it when you show our ignorance. They wouldn't have uh, sang the song if that's, he did it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> <laughs> How's it go, Old King Cole? Smoked? With a merry old soul. Smoked a pole. He called for his pipe and he called for his bowl and he oh. called for his fiddler's three. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. And Think Small Volkswagen was the other one. Um, and then, on actually, on January 1st, 1962, mm-hmm. that was the day that um, Decca, Re- Decca Records A&R executive Dick Rowe mm-hmm. proved to be the biggest dumbass in the world. Oh, what do you do? He turned down the Beatles for a record deal and <sighs> reportedly told their manager, guitar groups are on their way out. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yep. What an idiot. Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, and Pete Best arrived at the audition on on January 1st, 1962. They were, uh, it was formerly known as a commercial test to be headed by Mike Smith with Decca staff. On Monday, January 1st, 1962, at 10 a.m., however, Smith was late as he was suffering from a New Year's party hangover, as well as cuts and bruises from a car crash three days before Christmas, causing the start of the audition to be slightly delayed. He's living life in the fast lane. Anyway, this guy said they were no good, but he did, you know, everybody calls him an idiot for doing this, but Mm -hmm. he did make up for the mistake by signing the Rolling Stones the following year. Oh. So we do have to say that. Yeah. Um. You're right. Get the hiccups again. Get the hiccups. Jeez. Hop slam was a strong beer, baby. Anyway, uh, 
as we went into uh, the new year, The Lion Sleeps Tonight was the number one yes, song. Remember we went right. into the history of that? Yes. In the jungle, the quiet All jungle. All right, we don't need to. The lion That's enough of that. Right. And then on uh, Wednesday, January 3rd, 1962, they held the groundbreaking ceremony for the new Houston Astrodome. Okay. And this is, that means nothing to me. No, it wait wait till you hear this. This actually is significant okay. because you know what do you think of a, a normal ground breaking ceremony? What do they do? Where they, everybody stands around with, with a shovel shovels, and they take pictures, right? Uh, so this Houston Astrodome in Houston, Texas, was not done with shovels, but with six guns. What? On the afternoon of January 3rd, 1962, civic leaders and Houston Sports Association members met on the outskirts of Houston. At the appointed hour, six armed men took their Colt 45s and fired them into the earth and thus broke ground for a stadium to house the city's new That's the new stupidest thing I've franchise. ever heard. The team was then known as the Colt 45s. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And they later became the Astros. Why would you do that? Because your team is called the Colt 45s, and you love guns because you live in Texas. Can you imagine That's Texas so in the stupid. 60s? Imagine so Texas. Dumb. Imagine living in Houston in the 60s. I, w- I don't want to. I definitely yeah, no, don't. It wouldn't I be wouldn't want to live there now. People, yeah. Unless you're a white man with a gun. That's right. And then on Saturday, January 13th, 1962, we have our first new number one single of 1962, uh, a heavy fella named Chubby. That's right. It's too Yep, so this is Chubby Checker the Twist. We talked about this last last couple episodes. You think ago. he got a lot of chicks? Oh hell yeah. You do? I I know for a fact that Chubby Checker had sex with whatever and whenever he wanted. You're lying. I don't know for a fact, but of course he did. Chubby Checker he sound, he's got a golden voice. He might have been gay. He's got the voice of a god. He had the voice of a god. He invented dances. Two he dances. Have, he might have been gay. Oh, my God. Do you think Chubby Checker was gay? Well, he invented dances. Is Chubby Checker gay? Was Chubby Checker married? Katharina Lauder since 1964. Oh, he married a, one woman. So, no, he's Is he still gay. alive? Is Chubby Checker still alive? According to Wikipedia, Chubby Checker is an American rock and roll singer and dancer. Oh, shit, I think he's still alive. He's married to a woman for... Wow. Since 62? That's pretty gay. (laughs) 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 To be a superstar, to be a super celebrity and marry the same woman for that long? Yeah. You're gay. Yeah. That's sad. That's sad that that's what I think. (laughs) If you sad. haven't been divorced. I mean, Chubby Checker, think of all the trim he could get. I don't he think he with was a woman? sex symbol of any sort. What? He was a heavy guy. Chicks look... I'm the overweight love of Heavy D. The girls, the girls, they love me. Remember Heavy D? It's different. It was a different time. Oh, chicks were into fat guys when Heavy D was around? Oh, that's the ghost again. No, there's no ghost. Lights Stop keep flickering. No, Lights just flickered when I said that. That might have been Chubby Checker's ghost. Except he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, that would make it hard. Uh, anyway, and then Tuesday, January 23rd, 1962, Jackie Robinson becomes the first African-American elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Sweet. 
And then Friday, January. You know he wasn't the first African-American to play? I, oh, yeah. I know he wasn't the first to play. He was the first to get in the Hall of Fame, though. Yeah, I, that's true. Yeah, they were, they were. Yeah, they had Negro leagues and everything else, and they. Uh, I mean, he wasn't the first to play on a white team. Yeah, there I, was a whole dollop about it. Yeah, I think I know who it is. I did. I, I did every report in elementary. I mean, middle and high school on racism in sports. Oh, well, okay. at some point I knew. Yeah. Who it was? Okay. Uh, is it? I don't remember. The first guy, what passed off as white. And oh. they didn't find out till after he died that he was black. But then there oh. was another one, though. That doesn't count. There was another one. Yeah, Jackie Robinson was the first, but he was, like, the best. Yeah. Like, he was the one that they were like, oh, shit, we got Well, him. and he put up with the, the, oh, they would clean the him. treatment. Oh, they would cleat him. Like, players would just slide into him. Like, they knew oh. they'd be out, but they'd slide in just to hit him with the spikes. Like, it was terrible. God. It was awful. That was just Lisa. Stuff thrown at him. Yeah. Racial slurs. Oh, like, yeah, I know. What a crazy world. Like, if you went yeah. back in time and were like, what is happening? What are we doing? Who are... Yeah. We think cigarettes are healthy. We think people are terrible just for having different color skin. Like, God, I feel like we're not far from going back to that moment, though. Oh, it's smoking? No, the other... No, no, we're not going to go back to that. It's it's progress can't be stopped. It's just, you know, it just like... It just feels you know, like just, it. It's like a pendulum. It's like, you go here, and then you got to go back... No, I don't know. No, I refuse to go back there. Friday, January 26, 1962, Bishop Burke of Buffalo Catholic Diocese declared diocese, diocese. Diocese. Bishop Burke of Buffalo Catholic Diocese declared Chubby Checkers the Twist impure and banned it from all Catholic schools. Oh, funny. He knew how much trim Chubby Checker was getting. Yeah. Or maybe he knew Chubby Checker was gay and he didn't like that. And then January 27th, 1962, we have a new number one song on the Billboard charts. It's a different kind of twist. Let's see if you know this one. Yes, Peppermint Twist. Oh, you know this song? Yep. Or did you see it? No, I know it. Oh, yeah, who sings this? And it this? goes like this. Papa Chuba, Papa Papa Chuba. Oh, no. I know it. You do know this. Yeah. Why do you know this? I used to, I had, my first car was a 1974 Volkswagen Beetle with only AM radio in it. And the only, <laughs> the only music station that was not country in St. Louis was K-Gold, which was all oldies. And I mean this kind of oldies. Yeah. Because back, back then. Because yeah, now oldies are what we grew up with. Yeah. Okay, so this is Joey D and the Starlighters. Okay. They were capitalizing on the twist dance craze in the nightclub in which D performed the Peppermint Lounge. Uh, was why, where he got the name. Like the yeah. band, the oh, okay. Peppermint Twist. The Peppermint Lounge is also in New York City where the Beastie Boys uh, oh. had a couple. That's where they. I think that's where they met in their book. Uh, I think they used to go there to see punk rock bands. Anyway. All right. Uh, I love the Beastie Boys. Uh, the original recording of this song was considered too long for release on a 45 RPM single, so it was split into two parts. It was this first part, Peppermint Twist Part 1, with a length of length of two minutes and three seconds, which became the number one hit. Mm-hmm. The second half of the recording is rarely heard, mm. and it's all instrumental. Oh, yeah. This isn't that great. Mm-hmm. That's been stolen by a hundred different things. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. stolen that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. 
Yep. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, it's all right. Tuesday, January 30th, 1962. This is a fun one. Are you ready for a fun one? Yeah, I want a fun one. You do? Yeah. How bad do you want a fun one? I want a fun one, baby. Ah, that's what fill, she said. Fill, fill me up with a fun one. Oh, now that's dirty. What? Uh, an American. <laughs> that's what every everyone I've ever slept with says right before. Fill me up with a fun fill one? Fill me up with a fun one. <laughs> that's <laughs> gross. Ah, every dude I sleep with says it. An epidemic of contagious laughter broke out in Tanzani- Tanzania. 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 Tasmania. Oh, Tasmania or Tanzania? Tasmanian devil. Tanzania. Okay. An epidemic of contagious laughter broke out in Tanzania in 1962, which lasted over six months. Mass hysteria. And affected thousands of people. The laughter epidemic began on January 30th Mm -hmm. at a mission-run boarding school for girls Mm -hmm. in Kashasha. Okay. The laughter started with three girls and then spread haphazardly throughout the school affecting 95 of the 159 pupils. Jesus. The girls were aged 12 to 18. Symptoms symptoms, uh, symptoms lasted for a few hours to 16 days in those affected. 16 days of, just of laughing. Yeah. The teaching staff were not affected, but reported. <laughs> they were, <laughs> were not amused they, either. No, they, they didn't like it. No. They reported that students were unable to concentrate on their lessons. The school was forced to close down on March 18th. Oh, my God. After the school was closed and the students were sent home, the epidemic spread to Nshamba, a village that was home to several of the girls. In April and May, 217 people had oh laughing God. attacks in the village, most of them being school children and young adults. The Kashasha school was reopened on May 21st, only to be closed again at the end of June. In June, the laughing epidemic spread to the Ramashenye Girls Middle School near Bukoba, affecting 48 girls. The, the school from which the epidemic sprang was sued for allowing the children and their parents to transmit it to the surrounding area. Other schools... To transmit it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just laughing. What? <laughs> I'm just laughing. just talking about it. Other schools, Kashasha itself and another village, compromising thousands of people, were all affected to some degree. <laughs> Six to 18 months after it started, the phenomenon died off. Wow. The following That's sim- a long time. The following symptoms were reported on an equally massive scale <laughs> as the reports of the laughter itself. Pain, fainting, flatulence, oh boy. respiratory problems, rashes, oh God. and attacks of crying, and random screaming. <laughs> oh, my God. What a nightmare. Would you not kill yourself? Random screaming and farting and, and rashes. And laughing. And crying. A total of 14 schools were shut down and 1,000 people were affected. Wouldn't you kill yourself if this was going on? No, I would try to remember it forever. Oh, my God. Christian F. Hempelman, then of Purdue University and future uh, name I'm going to call myself on this podcast. Yes. He has theorized that the episode was Mm stress-induced. You see, in 1962, Tanzania had just won its independence, and students had reported feeling stress because of higher expectations by teachers and parents. Mm. Uh, he says this usually occurs in people without a lot of power. It's the last resort of people of a low status. It's an easy way for them to express that something is wrong. And then an equally funny and amusing story. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, January 30th, 1962, two members of the, of the Flying Walendas High Wire Act were killed. 
Whoa. When their seven-person pyramid collapsed during a performance in Detroit, others, some people call it Detroit, Michigan. Oh, man. They were performing at the Shrine Circus at Detroit State Fair Coliseum, where I saw the Beastie Boys on New Year's Eve 1992 for my first concert. All right. Will you just drop it with the Beastie Boys? The Detroit State Fair Coliseum. I've been there. I was in the front row. That's fine. It was life-changing for me. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me. All right. Anyway, the front man on the wire, Dieter Schipp, uh, faltered, and the pyramid collapsed. Whoa. Three men fell to the ground, killing Richard Faugen. While You're nailing son, those names again, And as his always. nephew, Dieter Schipp. Carl injured his pelvis and adopted, and his adopted son, Mario, mm-hmm. Carl Walenda, he's the, like, the main guy, his adopted son, Mario, was paralyzed from the waist down. Dieter's sister, Jana Schipp, let go of the wire to fall into the quickly raised safety net, but she bounced off and suffered a head injury. Oh, man. She didn't even get it. Yeah. Other tragedies with the Walendas later on included sister-in-law, Rietta, who fell to her death in 1963, and his son-in-law, Richard Guzman, who was killed in 1972 after touching a live electric wire while holding part of the metal rigging. Oh, God. Nonetheless, Carl decided to keep going on. Nothing's going to stop the Walendas. Jeez. Yeah, this actually, the Walenda story, because they kept going after all this, Mm -hmm. that started the term, can't stop, won't stop. I don't know that term. Can't stop, I think that's a stop. term you just Walendas. made up. Don't stop. You just made that up. Tick-tock, don't stop. Nobody <laughs> says that. that. Can't stop, won't stop. People say that. Nobody says tick-tock, don't stop. Tick-tocky, and you don't stop. All right. To the tick-tock, and you don't stop. Until the all right. People say that all the time. Everyone says What's that. What's next? Oh, okay. What's next? Just move on to the next thing. You don't care about the Walendas. Do you want to have a moment of silence for the Walendas? Or Mm-mm. Wednesday, we're into February. We got through a whole month just like that. Boom, oh, thank we're God. burning through a month. <laughs> thank God. Are you? Do you even want to do this podcast? <laughs> Wednesday, February seventh, nineteen sixty-two. President JFK purchased twelve hundred Cuban cigars just hours before he ordered the Cuban trade embargo in nineteen sixty-two. Did. Yep, according to Cigar Aficionado magazine. Oh, that's dirty. Yeah, he had his assistant. He had some assistant. He contacted him because he knew he was about to put this in. Hey, get get oh. get as many cigars as you can, Cuban cigars. Oh, my God, that's awful. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Also, he banged everyone. Yeah, he did. Hey, wonderful listeners. I really hope you're loving American Timelines. But did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know, it sounds crazy, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. It doesn't make any sense, but it's true. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, you listen to anyway. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards to places like Amazon or Starbucks. And if you're a good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you, the more you earn. I've been doing this, uh, listening to my own podcast even, and getting points for it. And I just got a $5 Amazon gift card that I can buy whatever I want from Amazon because Amazon has everything. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code, TIMELINES, and you get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. That's TIMELINES. 
And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card like I did. I mean, with that Amazon gift card, you could buy um, sandals uh, or a thong or you could buy sunglasses or deodorant, um, dog food. So go ahead and listen to us on this podcast uh, or virtually any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code TIMELINES. I swear it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. Yep. Uh, so that brings us to Sunday, February 11th, 1962. Okay, and I'm actually kind of cheating a little bit this week. Cheating? Because I, no there is something podcast. that happened on Sunday, February 11th. Wait, you're cheating on 1962. me? 1962. No. But, yeah. just listen. Okay. But um, it's it's kind of part of a trend of disturbing incidents that occur o- through history at a certain place. So I'm okay. going to go through the whole history of the different things, including the February 11th incident. Okay, so you're saying... You have an incident that happened on February 11th, 1962. Right. But it's just one kind of weird, stupid thing, and it's not that great, but it happened at a place that is known for crazy shit. That's right. You're going to go through all the crazy shit that's happened in that place? That's right. Yes. I think that's okay. All right. Who cares? So- Why not? Why couldn't you do that? That's what I'm thinking. So- You know, I think- Let me think. Yeah, I guess it's- I guess it's okay. I guess- I guess it's All right. okay. So I'm going to take you back first to the 1920s. Oh, so we're not going to start with the February. No, I'm taking you back to the 1920s for okay, a minute. Okay, so to get to know what ha- what this place is, we're going to go back to the 1920s. And the, downtown Los Angeles was booming at this time. Okay, downtown Los Angeles was booming. And skyscrapers ni- were going up and hotels and banks and department stores and okay. things like that. In the 20s. Yes. Um, and no area was more fashionable than the 600 block of Main Street. Okay. And this is where I hotelier W.B. Hanner began building his own high-class hotel. The hotelier? 19- yeah, in 1924. In 1924, he started building a hotel, okay? Yes. It was a hotel story. A lot of yes. crazy sex in hotels. He named it the Hotel Cecil. No doubt ca- copying the famed Hotel Cecil in London. You mean Cecil? No, Cecil. I'm pretty sure it's Cecil in London. So the Cecil quickly became a Agreed solidly popular hotel. And it was mostly middle-class tourists, and then um, some people lived there that were from Los Angeles. You know how some people live in hotels sometimes? Yeah, destitute folks. Um, many or of these people were respectable, things. but however, the transient nature of the hotel's population and the huge influx of new arrivals in Los Angeles meant that, meant that not every guest was on the up and up. Oh, um, For example, not. in 1927, John Cronier, who was described as a suave and mild-mannered Slovenian. Okay. I, I've never met a Slovenian that wasn't. That's those true. Things. He was suave arrested in his man. room for running from police at the Hayward Hotel and stealing a diamond hairpin at the Roslyn Hotel. You know, can you blame him if you see a diamond hairpin? So he was just on a run that day. Okay. In April 1929. Oh, April t- 1929. That's the same month that Bo Schembechler was born. I don't know who the that coach is. of the Michigan Wolverines. Also, the yo-yo was introduced, and the New York Yankees became the first team to wear uniform numbers. Oh, okay, that's pretty that interesting. That same month. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a 33-year-old woman from San Francisco named Dorothy Roberson. Oh, Dorothy Roberson, baby. She was taken to the hospital after wandering around the hotel for three days. Oh, she wandered around the hotel for three days? Yeah, according to reports, she was distraught over the sudden death of her husband and had tried to poison herself with prescription barbiturates. Oh, poor Dorothy Robeson. Then with the That's stock no market crash later that year, a no, depression thing. settled over the Cecil that would never leave. Oh, so... So she she tried to kill herself and yeah, she was in a she stupor. Failed, but yeah. And that's it. So, that's all about that. Yeah, the surrounding neighborhood slowly fell into disarray and the Cecil increasingly became a hostel for oh, the shady and the, the Cecil. Sick. You know, uh, a hostel for those that you don't know <laughs> is where you can stay really really cheap mm-hmm. because it comes with anal rape. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably going to get somebody Something, touching yeah. your anus if you go there. It could be. But it's only 10 bucks a night. Mm-hmm. So there was the tale of, Ce- of Cecil resident George Ford, who was a That's successful cool. morphine and opium dealer with a stash of $10,000 worth of opium. Wow. He was arrested in a sting at nearby Astor Hotel. Wow, that's a lot of opium, bro. An elderly man was picked up at the Cecil in peril of death after drinking poisoned liquor that had killed three other men. Oh, my goodness. That happened at the Cecil? And then the successful suicides began. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's killing themselves. Is this becoming a suicide home now? So, W.K. Norton, this right. was in November 19th of 1931. You didn't... Oh. Oh, you mean that was a Thursday, the same day... Uh, well, the day before Dick's Mothers was born. Mm-hmm. But the same day that uh, American Secretary of State Henry L. Stimson informed Britain that the U.S. would not participate in the League of Nations economic sanctions against Japan... Yes. <laughs> that same day? That same day. Oh, my God. Um, that really tells me what day it is. W.K. Norton, who was 46, was found dead in a hotel room there. Yeah, poor A number guy. of capsules believed to have contained poison were given by police as evidence that Norton had ended his own life. Oh. The capsules, police said, were found in his vest pocket. Oh, poison capsules. That did it. So this would be the first of an astonishing number of suicides and disturbing violence which would plague the Cecil for the next 86 years. 86 years of violence and suicides. The following year, a 25-year-old man shot himself in his hotel room. Oh, A year later, a young truck driver was fatally pinned against the hotel by a large truck. What? Yeah. A truck driver was pinned by his own truck or a different truck? By uh, a large truck. Oh. I don't know. In July 1934, another lonely man took his life. Oh, July 1934, Mm -hmm. the same month that FDR became the first U.S. president to travel through the Panama Canal, the same month that Babe Ruth hit his 700th career home run against Detroit, and the same month... That outside Chicago's Biograph Theater, Public Enemy Number One, John Dillinger is mortally wounded by oh, FBI yes. agents. That we were same in that. month, we were in that alley. Remember, yeah, when, at the ghost that same tour? time. No, not During at the same that, time. We killed him. No, okay. So, uh, um, Louis D. Borden, fifty-three. Yeah. All that was happening in the found, same month was found dead with his throat slashed. Oh. In a, um, he was a former sergeant in the Army Medical Corps. Wait, he he killed himself by slashing his own throat. Investigating officers finding a razor by the body and farewell notes reported Borden ended his own life because of ill health. In one brief note, he asked that Mrs. Edna has has owner, sole beneficiary of the little that I leave, be uh, notified. Lucky gal, that Edna has owner. Yep. The, so then Edna has it continues. An elderly Cecil resident attempted to shoot himself in the Westlake Park and an elderly woman tenant was found drowned in the ocean. Wait. These were people that are tenants. Oh, they were tenants there. So they, they lived dead there. somewhere else. Yeah, but, but they lived there. They lived there, yeah. A teenage stick-up bandit was arrested at the Cecil, and a note was found. 
a teenage it, stick up bandit yeah and a note was found in his pocket that read you're covered open the cash register and shell out no tricks or else <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm it's sure so old timey you know he wrote it in that voice yeah. too. oh shit sorry a woman I, I, named, hey, I accept your apology. A woman named Dorothy January claimed that a man oh. had answered her advert seeking a child care position only to choke her and steal $40 from her purse. Oh, poor Dorothy January. And then the suicides continued. More suicides, y'all. March, Suicide Hotel. March of 1937. Yeah, they, you know, I would think, is this a profitable business anymore? All this, All this craziness death is, I know. Well, March 1937 is the same month. That it's revealed that Quaker Oats pays Babe Ruth $25,000 a year for ads. Okay. The same month that the Washington Daily News is the first U.S. newspaper with perfumed advertising pages. Oh. The same month that the spinach growers of Crystal City, Texas, erected a statue of Popeye. And the same month that Warren Beatty was born and Don Leroy Bonker was born. Okay. He was a former congressman. But his name was Don Bonker. That's a pretty good name. Don Bonker, y'all. So Grace E. Magro was 25. Grace E. Magro? Magro. Okay. Yes. So she died. Um, she actually died in Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Oh. Police were unable to, this is from the newspaper, police okay. were unable to determine whether the woman had fallen or jumped from the hotel room. Telephone wires ripped from the poles in her descent were entangled about her body. So oh she got goodness. tangled up in the telephone wires on the way on down. Jump. Oh, goodness. The officers stated that... Um, M.W. Madsen, 26-year-old sailor, who was the woman's companion, was sleeping at the time of the occurrence and could give no explanation for the woman's action. Huh. He doesn't know why she no got idea. thrown out, uh, fell out the window. And then January 1938. Oh, January 1938, the same month that uh, the book publisher Simon & Schuster was founded, mm -hmm. the same month that March of Dimes was established to fight polio. The same month that the Church of England accepts the theory of evolution, finally. Oh, my God. The same month that Bob Eubanks and Wolfman Jack are born. Yes. That same month. Mm -hmm. While Bob Eubanks is coming out of his mother's vagina. So, there's a Marine fireman named Roy Thompson. He had been at the Cecil for several weeks. Yeah. He was found dead in the skylight of the building next door after apparently jumping from his hotel room. So, so he, he jumped and he landed on the, the skylight to the hotel. He was in a light fella. I wonder if the last thing he was thinking was, "Oh, hopefully Bob Eubanks is born today." Maybe. In 1940, the first regular Los Angeles AA meetings began to be held at the Cecil Hotel. Oh, well, uh, maybe that's a sign of healing. Maybe things will change now. A cafe manager who lived at the Cecil died in a nearby bar called the Waldorf Cellar after a gun battle with a bartender who oh. had been his childhood best friend. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> some people solve their differences some ways. Others uh, have a gun battle outside of So then there hotel. was a change of management in 1941. Oh, okay. Now that included the new sheriff extensive in town. improvements, but that could not save the Cecil. Oh, the Cecil. In September of 1944, which I don't think I, I didn't highlight that one, so I probably okay. didn't give you that one. Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19, was sharing a room at the Cecil with shoe salesman Ben Levine, 38. He was 38, and she, she was, was 19. 19. That's she, no good. Purcell, who had apparently been unaware that she was pregnant, oh, went into no. labor. Oh, no. What are those? She, she, she later, had a toilet baby? She, yeah. She had a toilet baby. She, she later testified she did not want to disrupt a sleeping Levine, so she went to the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. A lot of people have toilet babies. It's a, I can't believe it's it. It's a phenomenon. There's 
It gets one, worse. One in nine babies is born in a toilet from somebody who doesn't know. Thinking that the baby was dead, Purcell threw her out the window where he landed on a roof of an adjacent building. The baby? Yes. Oh. Lord, was it Bob Eubanks? Purcell was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists testified that Purcell was mentally confused at the time of the incident. Oh. In January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. It's got to be really confusing to just go to the bathroom and take a dump and a, a the baby comes, comes out. out. Yeah. And you don't know what to do. Like, you, you don't even think you're pregnant. You don't know what it is. You probably think you're hallucinating. Is it a poop baby? What yeah. Is it? What's happening? I guess you would know it's not coming out of that hole. Yeah. Or would you not? I don't know. If you didn't know you're pregnant, do you know anything? I don't know. I, this whole thing is, is nine a babies. mystery to me. Yeah. Mystery in the moonlight. It's not one in nine babies. Every day, 15 All babies right. are born. In, and pearls. then in 1947, Elizabeth Short, nicknamed the Black Dahlia, okay. was allegedly seen at the Cecil Bar shortly before she was murdered. 1947 and, is the same year that my grandmother graduated high school. And we'll get into her more later. We will? Yes. Oh, yeah. The area around the Cecil, filled with single occupancy hotels and cheap watering holes, continued its inevitable decline into a last resort for lost, desperate people like Helen C. Gurney. So this one is October 22nd, 1954. Oh, October 22nd, 1954, the same day that the Schlitz Playhouse of Stars was on? Oh, God. (laughs) That sounds classy. Yeah, the Schlitz Playhouse. The Joseph Schlitz Playhouse of Stars. Uh, brought to you by Joseph Schlitz Beer. Mm-hmm. Schlitz. Do you ever have Schlitz Dark? I've never had Schlitz regular. Oh, Schlitz is a good, delicious beer. Anyway, they had a they had a Playhouse of Stars, a show that was on. Right. And the same day that the Ford Thunderbird cars arrive in dealers' showrooms in the USA. Mm-hmm. Wow. A woman, this woman, Helen C. Gurney, she plunged to her death from a seventh floor window of a of. This is from the newspaper too. Her oh, body the, landing the, the atop the perfume newspaper. Could be her body landing atop the hotel marquee above the heads of pedestrians on busy Main Street. So <laughs> not funny, but it's well. Funny. But I mean, she's lands just, on the marquee. <laughs> people are just dropping right and left from this hotel. It like you're walking like on the street, it. chances are somebody's gonna fall on your head. Stay away from that hotel. You might have a person fall on you. Yeah, or a baby. So police identified person. her from cards in her purse. Uh, She was 55, an employee of a San Diego stationery firm. 55, huh? Officers of the Hotel Cecil said she had registered as Margaret Brown of Denver when she checked into room 704 a week ago. That's a fake name. Hundreds of spectators gathered as firemen and ambulance attendants put a ladder up to the marquee and lowered the body. Um, Oh, gosh. So then long-term residents at the Cecil began referring to the building as the suicide. Oh, uh, yeah. That's about time they started It's a fitting that. nickname. Yeah. February 11th, 1962. Oh. No, that's where we are. Oh, this, uh, now, we're, now we're in February yeah. 11th, 1962. It's where we are in this current year. Yes. Uh, the same day that Lassie was on CBS, also on Dennis the Menace, Mr. Wilson has a memorable birthday after he decides to leave Dennis his gold watch and his will. The caveat, though, is that Dennis has to retrieve it from up Mr. Wilson's ass. No, that is not what happened yeah. on that show. Yeah. Yeah. He says, Dennis, <laughs> you can have his watch after I die, but you got to get it out of my ass. You're giving him a funeral. caveat. All right. Yep. So caveat. Julia Francis Moore, 50, yeah. jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. A second story, story interior light well? Yeah. I'm not sure. Ugh. Moore did not leave a suicide note. 
Among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. Oh, she had a lot of money for that time, that though. That time, yeah. Why'd she kill herself, man? Then on October 12th, 1962. Oh, Friday, October 12th, 1962, the same day that Columbus Day storms washed out the 1962 World Series game at Candlestick Park in San Francisco? Yes. This was a storm from the Gulf of Alaska that took on moisture from Typhoon Frida and caused four days of rainouts during the World Series. Oh, wow. This is the first day of it. This is Columbus Day. Yeah. Yep. This is when uh, Pauline Otten made her infamous leap out of the ninth floor window, which killed not only her, Uh but also an elderly pensioner on the street below. So that was foreshadowing earlier when you said you could walk by and get hit by a body. Well, they thought initially that it was a double suicide, but when he he was found, he had his shoes on, which was one clue that he didn't jump because your shoes would come off, I guess, and his hands were in his pockets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he was just walking down the street and, and he wouldn't have time to put get your hands on no your you didn't you don't know what hit you oh my gosh so um i got two hands in my pocket there's also and a dead body falling on my head and in addition to all these suicides there's also a couple other things that happen at the oh, cecil so ghost stories um at the cecil yeah so perhaps okay. the saddest death to occur at the cecil was that of Pigeon Goldie Osgood. Her nickname was Pigeon. Oh. She was a retired telephone operator who frequently fed the pigeons in nearby Pershing Square. Oh, I would call her Pigeon, too. In oh, 1964, so she was raped, stabbed, and strangled oh. in her room at the Cecil. Her oh. body found next to the Dodger baseball cap she always wore in a paper bag of feed. Oh. Hours after her murder, Jacques Ellinger, 29, was seen walking through Pershing Square, the area in which Osgood fed birds in bloodstained clothing. Gosh. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime, and her murder was never solved. Uh, you got to add a little rape in every story, I don't know. you? By the 1970s and 80s, yeah. Skid Row was where... Skid Row was this, a band This the was the area was called Skid Row. That's That oh. was the original... Um, oh, it was named after the band 18 and life. So there was increasing violence and a huge influx of illegal drugs. Oh. Richard Ramirez, the infamous oh, night stalker. We talked about him in episode something. He terrorized something. Los Angeles in the mid 80s, as you recall. Oh, yeah, we talked about that on American Timeline. He the lived at the Cecil. The world. He lived at the Cecil. Oh, he lived at the Cecil? Yep. What? Had rooms where he's cheap. It all comes full circle. Yep, rooms where it's cheap as $14 a night. Oh, yeah, 14 bucks. Then Ra- Raul and Enrique, a hotel night clerk at the Cecil, said a man he is certain was Ramirez lived in a 14th floor room for several weeks in late June and August, and for another two weeks in late August. Oh, my goodness. Late July and August. Enrique, 36, who lived in a room on the same floor, said he had a few brief conversations with Ramirez. Um, He said the... I wonder what they talked about. He said Ramirez liked to play rock and roll music in his hotel room radio, and judging from odors Enrique could smell was smoking marijuana. Yeah, we little little rock and roll, baby. He would put his dump bloody clothes in a dumpster and walk sometimes walk through the lobby like nude. Yeah, nude. Yeah. And it was like nobody even paid any attention. Yeah, because that would fit right fit in. Right a in. lot of people walk around nude in there. Yep. So he wasn't the only murderer who called the Cecil home. In nineteen eighty eight It's a, a house of murderers. A man accused of killing his girlfriend in Huntington Beach was arrested at the Cecil. Oh boy. And then in nineteen ninety one, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger, who strangled prostitutes with their own bras, also called the ho- hotel home. Jack Unterweger? Do you think they talk about him in uh, G- uh, German timelines? 
the other Austrian our sister timelines. Austrian timelines and our sister podcast. Maybe. Oh. Rumor has it that he chose the hotel because of its connection to Ramirez. Oh. In 1995, a murder suspect named Eric Reed was found at the hotel after breaking out of jail in Kostiak. I don't know 1995, the same year that um, I was in college. So by the mid-2000s, yeah. parts of downtown L.A. were becoming gentrified. Oh, they were, huh? Yep. In 2007, a group led by Fred Cordova bought the Cecil for $26 million and began to... $26 million? They began to transform part of it into... They called it the Stay. It was a budget boutique hotel for hip middle-class tourists. Uh-huh. And many of the poor long-term residents were pushed out. Yeah. But despite that, the weirdness continued... In 2010, City Firefighter and 2010 Paramedic of the Year Charles Anthony McDougall claimed he had been stabbed several times on an emergency call to the hotel while his partner waited outside in an ambulance. Oh, sheesh. Um, In February 2013, okay, this is the... February 2013, the same month that the Baltimore Ravens beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Harbaugh Bowl, the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, Joe Flacco became the... MVP, the same month that uh, Paris, France finally annuls their 213-year-old law banning women from wearing trousers. What? Yep. The same month that Trent Reznor won a Grammy. Yes. The same year, the same month that the brains of two rats were successfully connected so that they share information. The same year that Christina Applegate married the guy from Porno for Pyros. The same month that C. Everett Coop died. Okay. And the same month that The Rock defeated CM Punk to retain the WWE title. Okay. That same month? All right. So. <laughs> what happened in that month? Guests at the hotel started to complain to the hotel staff about low water pressure and funny tasting water. Well, that could be anything. I mean, that's not that unusual. An inspection of one of the rooftop water tanks on no, February 19th no. revealed the problem. There, staffers found the decomposing body of Elisa Lamb. Inside of a water tank? A 21-year-old Vancouver student who'd been touring the city alone and staying at the hotel before going missing for two weeks. Oh, no. So luckily for guests, the test of the water supply came back negative for harmful bacteria. But... <sighs> Um, just tasted like even body. today, it's still not clear what happened to Elisa. A documentary proposal. Um, oh wait, who wait, cares? she was inside of the water yes, tank. Yes. So, Elisa's death was be- has bewildered many, especially when footage from elevator security cameras surfaced online, and you can see this. Oh yeah, showing the young woman acting erratically, pressing random buttons, popping her head in and out to look around, and appearing to speak to someone who either wasn't there or can't be seen on camera. This happened in 2013. This sounds familiar. What? Yeah. Did we talk about this before? I think I told you about it. Huh. Her unnerving behavior is thought to be a result of an episode related to her bipolar disorder, and the coroner ruled her death an accidental drowning, say that uh. there, there were no drugs in her system. But some still wonder how she could have gotten onto the roof, because it was locked. Yeah. And... Um, and, and into, the, into water. the water tank in the first place, and furthermore, how she would have closed the lid behind her. Yeah. Crazy. These and other mysterious circumstances surrounding Elisa's death have led to the belief that she was murdered, while others point to paranormal claiming that did. Oh man! And you and it's creepy. All the, those people the died. The video of her is really, really? creepy. What, how do you find it? What's you her? just type in Elisa Lam E L I S A L A M E L I S A L A M L A M. I remember you telling me about this, but I don't think I looked it up. But now, Elisa Lam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can right away. Elisa Lamb original video comes up, uh, and you can look it up on YouTube. 
And this was the last time anyone sees her alive, is this video. Really? So efforts have been made to turn 384 rooms at the Cecil not used by the stay into housing for the homeless. However, business leaders in the up-and-coming areas around the hotel are against the plan. As recently as June of this year, a 28-year-old man was found dead outside the Cecil after an apparent fall. This year, 2019? Yeah. The hotel has also been named as the most haunted hotel in Los Angeles. One of the more recent creepy events that took place at the Cecil Hotel was when a young boy from California captured a ghostly apparition on camera in 2014. The picture appears to show a transparent figure standing on the ledge outside a window on the fourth floor of the building. The photo was soon picked up by several news outlets, the possible ghost being quickly linked to the gruesome past of the Cecil Hotel. It seems the curse of the Cecil will live on. Cecil ghost photo. It doesn't look like much to me. Oh, that looks like a person hanging out to me. Does it? And that's the story of the Cecil Hotel. Uh, Some creepy stuff, creepy. don't you think? What a Spooky. creepy story, yeah. Spooky. Yeah, that was creepy. Hell, man. I don't know, man, but geez, I guess. <sighs> what do you think, babe? You I'm think it's freaked haunted? Out. I'm freaked out by that. Are you? Yeah. Freaked out by it? What yeah. do you think? I I don't think we can do this podcast. <laughs> You're out. just too freaked can out. Can we stop doing this? It's Come on. Bad. Like nothing, nothing else is bothering me. This is just real, too real or something. What is? I guess it's because it's so current. Like this. That I know it was 1962, but jumping to 20s. Yeah. When did that happen? Just 2013. 2013? Yep. That video was really creepy. It is, isn't looking it? at the pictures, look online, look up Elisa Lamb, and do a Google uh, image search and watch that YouTube video. Because you see the YouTube video, you see her acting erratically. That's weird. There's something wrong with her. She's in distress. And then if you look at the pictures of the water tank, that's mm-hmm. a huge, giant tank on the roof of a building. Yeah. Like, there's no way she could do that by herself. But why would somebody else think to put her in that? Right. Or is it haunted? Was she possessed? Oh, man. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't it? That's weird. American, weird, weird American weird stories. Weird American stories is what American we're all about. That's, well, she's Canadian, but it happened in America. Yes. Anyway, that was messed up. But let's let's finish up. Okay. Uh, let's finish up February. 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 Uh, and then we'll call it a day. All right, babe. Take it away. Wednesday, mm-hmm. or Wednesday, as my grandmother says, February 14th, 1962, First Lady Jackie Kennedy conducted a televised tour of the White House. Oh, was that the first time? Yeah. Sweet. Yep. And there was a guy pooping. No, there Uh, was not. That's where Willard Scott pooped in his pants. Not Willard Scott. Um, Who's the other guy? Al Roker. Al Roker pooped his pants. Al Roker pooped his pants in the White House, y'all. Saturday, February 17, 1962. We got another number one song on a Bibbo chart by Gene Chandler. Do you know who that is? No. Doesn't mean I won't know the song, though. That's true. Duke of Earl. This is a good one. Cypress Hill. Cypress Cypress Hill. Hill. Did they sample this? Yes. As I, I, I can't not be Cypress Hill. It's just disappointing there's no Cypress Hill right now. Hand on a pump. It's less than it's good on its own. 
It's gun on its own. Sawed off shotgun, hand on the pump, left side on the 40, puffing on a blunt. Come on. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I am. I love Cypress Hill. Okay, okay. Anyway, this is the best known of Gene Chandler's songs. And he subsequently dubbed himself the Duke of Earl. This was written by him and Bernice Williams and Earl Edwards. The song was a 2002 inductee to the Grammy Hall of Fame. Okay. It has also been selected by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. This song originated from warm-up exercises by the Duques, mm-hmm. a vocal group that included Chandler, under his original name, Eugene Dixon, and Earl Edwards, and it already had some success on the R&B chart. Oh, they had already had some success. The group would regularly warm up by singing do, 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 do in different ways. Mm-hmm. On one occasion, Dixon changed the syllables he was singing to include Earl's name, and the chant gradually became the nonsense words do, 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 Earl, Earl, do, Duke of Earl, and then he just changed to Duke of Earl. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird and funny? Well, because it doesn't make sense. Like, it d- I'll be your Duke of Earl. It's like Duke, Duke. That doesn't make any sense. Duke, Duke, Duke. Cypress Hill. Sorry, but now you know more about that song than you ever have before, and where they came up with it. You know, sometimes songs are just waiting to be made. That's true. And it was groundbreaking and great, and ever. And then on that same day that that uh, became number one, Mm -hmm. the Beach Boys introduced a new musical style with their hit "Surfing." Surfing USA. I think just surfing. Okay. I don't know. But it was a new, like, surf rock was a new thing. And then Tuesday, February. That, that was huge in the <laughs> 60s, too. Oh, surf rock? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, because there was a lot of, like, Wipeout came out mm-hmm. then. All those Hawaiian movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, Hawaiian We'll start getting eye. to those. It was a great show. A Hawaiian eye. Monday, February 26th. I can't say February. February? I know, February. It's not Feb- February. There's an R in it. I know, but you don't say it. Why not? Why is because it there? Because it's the way it is. No, we don't February. say February. Yeah, you say February. February bothers me. Nobody says February but you. <laughs> so if you're there's the only R- one in the world that says it like that, there's it's R- obviously wrong. There's a goddamn R in it for a reason. There's all kinds of silent letters February. in America. No, it's not February. It is. February. It's not February. That's not right. All right, we're not going to have this conversation all right. right now. Monday, feb ru all Monday, right. February 26th, 1962, mm-hmm. Wilt Chamberlain of the NBA Philadelphia Warriors scored 67 points against the New York Knicks. At the same time, the U.S. Supreme Court disallowed race separation on public transportation. At the same time that that happened? At the same time. Oh, wow. He scored 60... I think it was 67 points. That's a lot. That's a lot of points. Yeah. One game. Yeah. And then. That that makes me ask, what was everybody else doing? If he was scoring all the points. Right. It's a shitty. Meanwhile, the U.S. Supreme Court said no more race separation on public transportation. Well, that's it. That's all we got time for. I'm sorry. But after that, we got to just. Say goodbye to our listeners Say good for so another long. week. All right. So I'll feed us saying goodbye. I'll see you next week. Make sure you um, rate Focaro, us and review us if you Emily can. Emily Johnson. 
subscribe to us oh, and uh, well you know I want to mention our new one of our listeners uh, Swafford what there's a guy named Swafford that's a listener shout out to Swafford y'all <laughs> alright <laughs> so um, Brian McCartney Steve Bruce Brandon right. Wilhelm Ryan Burkett sometimes I think listens. yeah I don't know who else listens I don't even know I, I, we'd like to shout out all of our listeners that's right so, oh the one who drew us remember the girl we got a yeah, shout Sarah. out to Sarah who drew a picture of us that was awesome fan art y'all okay so Andy and Susie are listening Buy some Matt Truman Ego Trip music. Matt Truman is the most attractive man. Buy it at band camp. That guy knows how to please the ladies, trust me. That's I right. know from experience. All dude. right, get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. We're so tired of hearing about When you were all alone, no watchtower, a kiss in the sky. Well, I was barely a glimmer in my young daddy's eyes. So tired American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. I'm heading up the river with a boat and no paddle, and I'm heading up beat downs, and I'm heading up the river with a boat and no paddle, and I'm heading up beat downs. Put me in chains, trying to beat my brains, I can get out, but the grudge remains, want to see a podcast, I'm going to catch ya, fucking do ya, shotgun go booyah, sawed off shotgun, hand on the pump, left hand on the 40, puff on the blunt, pump my shotgun.